Welcome to this Stroke Journey podcast, brought to you by the National Stroke Education Center at the University of Cincinnati, your premier source for comprehensive diagnostic and therapeutic stroke education from the pre-hospital and emergency settings through the ICU and rehabilitation. Please welcome today's host, Dr. William Knight. Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knight coming to you from the National Stroke Education Center at the University of Cincinnati. I'm one of the emergency physicians who works on the University of Cincinnati Stroke Team. And today I have the distinct pleasure of talking with one of my friends and colleagues, Achala Vagal. Dr. Vagal is a professor in the Department of Radiology uh, with a specialty in neuroradiology and also a member of our UC Stroke Team. Uh, Dr. Vagal also serves as the vice chair of research in her department. Today, Achala is going to talk to me a little bit about CT angiograms, really how to simplify this for the rank-and-file non-radiologists. And so, Achala, thank you for joining us here today. Thank you. It's a pleasure and honor to be here. My big question for you, in five minutes or less, is the CT angiogram of the head and neck is a complicated study. If I had told you 10 years ago as an emergency physician who takes call for a stroke team that I would be relying on at least my wet read of a CT angiogram to help manage complicated stroke patients, I would have told you you were crazy, but here we are. I was hoping that you could boil it down and simplify it for us in less than five minutes for the non-radiologists. Well, Bill, you put it very well, and I have to say that's a million-dollar question. How can you simplify uh, more than thousands of images that come your way and you have to make a decision really fast. The one thing that I always like to tell whether radiologist or non-radiologist is always, always have a checklist. When we as physicians actually make errors, it's because we are not following certain checklists that we have. And so it's the same rules for CTA. If I look at a CTA, I have a checklist. Number one is check all the vessels, which means what are the vessels we are interested in the stroke land? ICAs. M1s, vertebrals, and basilar. And really, there is no shortcut. When you go through your CT, I also think the source images are really, really helpful. You just have to spend those few seconds or maybe a minute to go through from the arch all the way up to the circle of villas to make sure that you're capturing all the vessels. So that's my number one technique. If you may, there is really no magic if anybody was waiting to hear that. Well, I think that's important because even I, who take call as a stroke physician, have missed a a carotid occlusion because it was in the neck and I was, quote unquote, expecting to find something in the head. And I think that the M1 lesion, the MCA lesion for the the non-radiologist or non-stroke physician is not hard. Uh, But having that checklist to not forget about the four vessels that feed the head and go through that is is critically important to have that system, which I think we're, we're often talked about. You mentioned the the source images. How is that different from, we're often talked about a a MIP. What's a MIP? Right. So there are multiple reconstructions that CT angiogram usually has, right? MIP is one of them, which is the maximum intensity projection. And that's nothing but looking at all the pixels with the maximum intensity and the reconstruction produces what I would say in, in a very simplified way, prettier images. And it is easier on the eye, easier to pick up. Uh, but those are produced from the source images. So always go back to the source images. I agree. I, I think the MIPS have been a game changer for me and my utilization of CT angios. In, in the last couple of minutes that we have, I think the two questions that, that I often get from my colleagues are the big vessel occlusions, the carotids, even the basilar when you know what you're looking for in an M1, usually not that hard with a, with a hard occlusion. But what can you speak to 
your emergency physicians or nursing colleagues about that concept of the of the mythical M2 or the challenges of both the diagnostic of it that plays into our questions of treating it? Yeah, and that's a hard one. M2s are, in general, we know we miss it, whether, again, radiologists, non-radiologists. So number one, I think a point is call your radiologist, make your radiologist your best buddy and, you know, have them on the speed call and, you know, have them as a champion. Uh, but the second thing is, again, if we know we are missing an M2, those MIPS are very helpful. If you look at the circle of villus and you see less amount of branching in that M2, that should be a trigger. If you have a CT perfusion and there is a clear-cut deficit, you didn't see anything, go back to your M2. And again, if its M2 is large enough, now actually endovascular treatment is a valid option. So it is no more, oh yeah, I can see it. I think it is an important thing we have to look for. M2s are tough. I, I have I have you on speed dial, which we've talked before, and I, I like going through it on the phone, real time with a radiologist to pick up all those other elements where that system and that checklist, certainly that safety net catches me. The last thing that I have is if you have maybe a one or two liner on all these automated apps that are out there, we've, we've got them on our phone, they help detect, um, there's artificial intelligence software. What's your take as a radiologist of both the benefits and pitfalls of these type of, of apps that are out there to help us? Yeah, that's again, a very interesting question. Most of the people, you know, when they started coming out said radiologists will not be needed anymore. <laughs> Do not go into radiology. I totally deny that. And I think all of you will agree with me. The thing is, it's man versus machine, right? What I like to call it rather than automated is augmented intelligence, which means that the app, whatever app you're using, is going to give you some information, but make sure you can check it. They are very helpful. I use them personally when I'm looking at scans. They can tell you where this lesion is, but then go back and check it because there are multiple pitfalls. So the machines are never smarter than humans. Oh, and I totally agree. I, I've been saved and burned um, often sometimes on the same case. Well, that is all the time that we have today. Uh, Achala, I, I greatly thank you for spending the last couple of minutes going over this. I, I know that this is a complicated topic, but I think that the core message of take it to that simple uh, effect of having a checklist and a system to go through and not just look for what you think you're doing, which is what makes a radiologist, quite frankly, in my in my book, worth their gold in terms of helping that systematic approach will help us as we approach a very complicated topic like CT angiogram. So this is Bill Knight with the National Stroke Education Center, and thank you for your time. Thanks for listening today. This Stroke Journey podcast is a collaboration between the National Stroke Education Center, MCRAIG International, and MedEd On The Go. For more comprehensive, high-quality educational resources for healthcare professionals, please visit strokejourney.com.